This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The government has made this decision premised on listening to those we serve. Uh, I think overwhelmingly what we heard was two things. They wanted more time in its implementation, uh, and they wanted a course offerings that make, make sense for students in Ontario. And we think that, you know, what we have done today is really in part giving students more access to courses they would not otherwise have. There you go, Education Minister Stephen Lecce earlier today saying that uh, students now in order to graduate, would require only two online courses before graduation as opposed to the four that they had stated earlier. Uh, Does this signal that he's being conciliatory, making concessions, made concessions on class size, uh, or is it moving the goalposts and not negotiating in good faith? Let's find out. Harvey Bischoff has joined us on the line. He heads the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, and they've decided they're going to embark on job action next week, uh, which may or may not be disruptive. Mr. Bischoff, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. All right. So tell me just right now, where are talks going, if anywhere? Well, um, they have been. We've we've made virtually no progress uh, since we served notice to bargain on April the 29th. Um, that said, we haven't left the table, uh, despite any uh, suggestions by the minister. Otherwise, we're prepared to set future future bargaining dates, and we'll be back at the table trying to make progress uh, to safeguard students' education environment. How do you feel about his uh, initiative to bring in a mediator? Well, look, he, he made that suggestion, uh, not to us at the bargaining table, unfortunately, but through the media at a, at a press conference, and we took him up on it immediately. Within 24 hours, we had a mediator at the table. Um, today, with the mediator there, instead of, instead of working through the mediator, he once again goes to a press conference and makes an announcement. Um, you know, we didn't even get that announcement at the table. So he's, as of today, broken the mediation process with that approach. Um, you know, you, one wonders what he asked for a mediator for in the first place. All right. So you're saying he's negotiating through the media. However, everything that's being negotiated is being presented on your website for public consumption, right? Indeed. We have taken a transparent approach to bargaining from the start. We said our proposals. Um, and the government proposals will be posted to our website for public scrutiny so they could see whose proposals were good for students in our education system. Um, Quite different, actually, from relaying a message through a mediator and then making that that message public. Um, And, you know, when he claims they tabled the CUPE deal, that's simply untrue. All right. Well, okay. Uh, The CUPE deal that they hammered out with a conciliator, no less, right? Indeed, yeah, they had they had a mediator there, and they and they hammered out a deal. All right, but let me just back up a little. You're saying in this case the mediator they've actually brought one in, but then disregarded what input the mediator might have and all of it. Who, by the way, is the mediator, and uh, who's responsible for bringing that person into the negotiations? So it's it's by mutual agreement. Um, we uh, so they asked for you know can we have a mediator a mediator at the table? We said sure. Mediators can sometimes be helpful. We agreed on who that person um, would be. So again by mutual agreement. And then today, rather than making use of that mediator, they bypass her and and the minister makes an announcement uh, at a podium at a press conference somewhere, which indicates to me that. You know, this is somebody who, frankly, doesn't understand the collective bargaining process. He uh, he wants to uh, address all of this through his communications, but you know that's that's not the productive way forward, and that's not how bargaining works. Even though he might say uh, he's being transparent and fully accountable. 
Well, you know, transparency and accountability would involve having discussions at the bargaining table um, instead of sending us things through. You know, I mean, I heard about uh, I heard about this e-learning announcement through journalists. I, I don't see how that's you know going to lead to uh, lead to progress and lead to momentum at the bargaining table. Well, tell me about that. I mean, is this a sticking point? What are the issues that are really critical to your constituents? Well, so the government is still proposing the elimination of thousands and thousands of educators from our from our system, uh, both uh, both uh, secondary teachers and support staff who work with uh, kids with special needs and at-risk students uh, across the system. They're still proposing that some of the e-learning courses be mandatory. We have no idea, um, you know, They've pointed to no evidence to suggest that mandatory e-learning is a productive approach for students. Ministers, the model the minister has pointed to is Alabama, which ranks 49th out of 50th in terms of education quality in the U.S. So those are significant, significant sticking points. But you know what? I'll take it on head on as well. Compensation is a sticking point, too. We propose that my members make next year in real terms the same that they're earning this year, that they get an inflationary increase. They've legislated a 1% cap on compensation increases, which is the opposite of good faith bargaining that the minister claims to be engaged in. Well, uh, when they say that 1% cap, I've heard from their side as well, and the submission is that uh, there's the envelope in which you would negotiate. Uh, you're saying the cap is something that's non-negotiable. Well, they're, they're saying there's an absolute cap at 1%. So, so what, is the, what is the negotiation? Um, you know, that's, that's not the way negotiations proceed. Okay, the other they, thing... They unilaterally impose the cap. They unilaterally inc- uh, impose cuts to teachers and support staff. They withdraw a little bit of those cuts, and then they say, you know, how do you like us now? And, and you know, uh, not a whole lot better than I did back in March, unfortunately, because these aren't helpful proposals to maintain the quality of education. On that 1% cap on public sector workers, uh, is that something you'd be willing to take to court? I think it was contested when Dalton McGinney brought it in, a freeze back in 2009. Yeah, uh, absolutely we'd be willing to take it to court. If it... If it uh, interferes with our ability to negotiate freely, which my members have a right to under the Charter, um, then then we will see them in court, as we did with uh, Premier McGinty. And that was a case that we won, by the way. The judge found that they had substantially interfered in the bargaining process. Um, and, uh, you know, it seems entirely likely that this government is going down the same road. You know, when you talk about the wage component, 2%, because it's been positioned, I've often heard anyway, it said that the... Uh, quality of education and the benefit of the kids is paramount. Is it possible that you could, uh, let's say, soften the position on the wage component and see uh, that whatever monies are perhaps saved in the equation, if that's the word I can use, uh, would be earmarked towards better quality education? You know, let's be clear. My members are willing to make sacrifices, and over the last seven years, they've sacrificed in real terms 10% of their compensation compared to inflation. Um, and so, so we just we think it's time now, not that they catch up for that 10% loss, but simply that they keep pace with inflation so that they're able next year uh, to have the same real income to, you know, maybe save for their own children's uh, post-secondary education or put them in hockey or dance class or whatever uh, to the same degree that they can this year. We think that's reasonable, especially in the face of a government that has a uh, billion dollars to risk on beer and corner stores 
$230 million we just found out to, to throw away on the cancellation of green energy projects, I'm not sure that they're in a position to, to preach uh, fiscal prudence to us. Harvey Bischoff's with us. He heads the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Yet you know what I hear, because I sit here in the catbird seat and we take calls uh, incessantly about this, it seems, with, uh, you know, the education file. Uh, a lot of parents are concerned because when it comes to the amounts of money that have been poured into education by the education premiers Wynn and McGinty, more than doubling it in 15 years, but the results are not commensurate to the amount of money that has gone into the system. Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, I have to disagree with that claim. Over the last 15 years, we've raised graduation rates by 20%. One out of five more students is now, at the end of high school, prepared to go to post-secondary education, prepared to take on an apprenticeship in a skilled trade, which, you know, we know is a crying need in this province. We need more skilled tradespeople. Those are people who are prepared to go out and make a contribution to Ontario's broader economy, pointing to the fact that, again, education isn't just an expense line. It's not a line item. It's a, it's an investment in the future of Ontario's students and, of course, Ontario's economy. Um, and, and the improvements in education, the increase in the graduation rates have been absolutely real and they're attributable to the fact that we have caring professionals working with kids who need different kinds of supports and different kinds of attention in order to have an equitable chance at success and and we've done that all right so you're going into the job action next week you're saying there's no impact on student learning but if for example uh no report cards get filled out uh doesn't that have an impact and the stakeholders being the parents would want to know what progress their kid may be making no, to be clear, we will provide marks um, for report cards. Um, we won't provide report card comments, which are time-consuming. And if you've seen the Ontario mandated report card, you know frequently they're, they're um, kind of hard to understand anyway. Um, we will continue to communicate with parents. Um, so my members reach out to parents on a regular basis if they have uh, you know, something they want to tell the parent about, uh, about a student. Parents are absolutely welcome, as they always are, to to contact uh, uh, my members to you know check up on how their how their child is doing. So um, so they you know that that progress that kind of that kind of reporting will continue. All we're doing is is not filling out um, these these uh, comments on report cards. All right. So the job actions the next salvo following that uh, would you consider issuing the five day strike notion? You know what I really hope is that before we get to that point, we can get to an agreement that safeguards the quality of education that we've built up in this province to make us one of the one of the best education systems in the world, internationally renowned. So I'd say very much the ball is in the government's court at this point. Come to us with proposals that are good for students. We'll make progress and no further escalation will be required. So when do you go back to the table? You're at the, the table right now as we speak? We are at the table right now. Um, unfortunately, the time at the table was interrupted yet again by a ministerial press conference, as it was on Monday morning, because he, he wants to talk in the press about things that should be discussed at the table, but we're still here. All right. Uh, we'll wait to see how this one transpires. I appreciate you giving us an update. I appreciate your time. Thanks, John. You got it. Harvey Bischoff is the head of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. You can sound or you can hear the frustration in his voice. However, uh, Minister Lecce has been front and center and communicating a message. Now, uh, if they're pissed that he's going over their heads and taking it to the public personally, I wonder how the public perceives that. Is that a betrayal of the negotiating process and it's best kept within a closed room? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 